0: This is a podcast where anything goes, a real family doing life together and sharing the many lessons learned about marriage, parenting, family, boundaries, and living the simple life as a Christian. Join the Jones family with their grown children as they sit around the table to share their passion for marriage, family, and boundaries while providing inspiration, practical tips, and insight into a simple life that glorifies God. Whether you're a Christian or not, there will be takeaways to heat up your marriage, train up your children, and navigate this culture with more wisdom and perspective.
1: I met Jeff when I walked into Foot Locker in Lakeland, Florida to get a job. It was not my first job and I was getting a job with my friend Heather who was rooming with me in college um, later on and we worked together there. We did not date while I worked at Foot Locker and he finally asked me out after he left Foot Locker. And started working for his parents at Tupperware Um, but side note is he dated every other I think every other girl or cashier but never asked me out (laughs) I'm not bitter I promise save the best for last right (laughs) that was actually the song that was played at our wedding so exactly so he asked me out and I had always had a crush on him and loved any bit of attention that he gave me, but I just really did not think he was interested at all. So we started dating in what? 1989.
2: 1989.
1: And then we dated for a couple years before he got engaged.
2: We dated for a year and got engaged.
1: Got engaged two days after I graduated from high school.
2: Right, June 8th.
1: nineteen. 90. 90. Thank you. <laughs> and the cool part about this Thought story. if
2: you're listening, pay close attention to yes. knowing these dates here.
1: So he did it the old-fashioned way as far as asking my dad for permission, which is not old-fashioned for our family, but it might be for some. And they coordinated with a Delta flight um, for him to ask me for my hand in marriage on the way to... Um, Well, we're going to end up in Truckee, California, but we were on our way to Reno, Nevada. It
2: was your parents and us and your brother and and another person. Yes. And it was a graduation present for you coming out of high school.
1: Yes. So he, as soon as we got in the air and we reached our altitude, the pilot starts talking about a very special couple on board and names our seats and says, Stacy, Stacy. Jeff has something very important to ask you. He drops to his knees, and I'm, like, literally freaking out. I thought I was going to pass out. Do you want to take it from there, babe?
2: No, go for <laughs> it. Go for it.
1: So, of course, I said yes. And we used the phone on the plane to call my grandparents. I remember that. Um, but we finished out our vacation, and that was 17. I was 17, almost 18. And you're four years older, so you were 22 at the time 21 in
2: 1990 What were you I was 22
1: okay sorry I was trying to remember everybody's birthdays and the timing of the flight so
2: the first time she really ever quote-unquote approached me was a Saturday that we were working together this is great and I had gotten to work late that day because when I woke up that morning to come to work I walked outside of my I was living with my parents at the time Walked out to the driveway, and my car was gone. Somebody stole my 1988 Mustang GT 5.0 out of the driveway. He was spoiled. I'll, um, <laughs> I'll
1: never forget that look you gave me.
2: Yeah, that was fun. Yes. There was also a time, you know, when she was working at Foot Locker that came to me when we were talking, because the store, the, the employees of the store were very close, mm-hmm. and She was sharing with me about some guy, her parents were out of town, some guy was gonna come over and visit her.
1: And you were also getting ready to change jobs, so. Yeah,
2: and I was getting ready to change jobs, wanted to try to figure out something different, and we actually really started hanging out more at Heather, who she eventually lived with in college for a little bit. Heather's graduation party. Yep. And they had music playing. And uh, it was just a, it was a lot of fun. And we were dancing together, having a good time.
1: And this boy can dance.
2: And he can still dance. I got moves like Jagger. But <laughs> we we really just kind of hit it off, had a lot of fun talking and everything. And then I think that was the next weekend or the next night. Actually, we went out on a date with Heather and some other folks and yep. went to uh, Ybor City yep, and had dinner at an Italian restaurant there. And then we went to Channelside and hung out. And one of our first pictures together as a couple was at Channelside. I looked like I was from Miami Vice, but (laughs) it was all good. Lakeland for a little bit. No, actually, first we lived in um, Titusville, Florida. Stacey was going to school. I was working in retail about six months after we got married. I quit retail, took a major pay cut, went back to school. We moved into an apartment in our parents' house. And then when she graduated, we... Bought a house in Tampa. We lived there for a year. Had our first child, Hannah, who's on the list of this podcast. (laughs) And really just, I mean, at that point in our lives, we were still kind of living a little on the, well, obviously not in the believer's world, but when Hannah was born, we realized that we were not competent People to have a child at that point. So even though we weren't believers, we started taking going to church. You went to church more than I did, obviously. We used um, to take Canada to church. Yeah, we take her to church. We ju- we just felt like we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know anything about religion that much. I mean, Stacy was raised Catholic. I was raised, uh, w- we'll call it Baptist, but we really never went to church uh, as a family. And I mean, we did, but it wasn't like that often.
1: So do you want me to pick up where...
2: <coughs> Go for
1: it. Okay, so my quick testimony, and I'm sure that more of my testimony will come out as the podcast is, the episodes are coming out. The How I tell it is I had everything that the world had to offer and I still felt a hole in my heart. So I had an awesome husband, I had a house, I had children and they were healthy and I still felt like something was missing in my life. And so... I had told Jeff that I think it's God. I think that that's what's missing. And so um, I had been invited, and this is the very short version. I had been invited to see a production at a Baptist church by a, uh, like a little sister to me, Kayla Coates. Her last name was Braddock at the time, and she invited me to her church. She was like 16 years old, and the the pastor did what was called an altar call, which I had never heard at the uh, Catholic church. And everything he was saying like completely applied to me. And so I was like, you know, your heads are, your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. No one's looking around and they tell you to lift your hand up if it applies to you. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this totally applies to me. And you think you're the only one. Well, there was like a hundred of us that went up to the front and it was just a pretty amazing experience, except for like one thing that was really uncomfortable for me. I had just delivered twins not too long before that the boys were born and not so, during the service, no, <laughs> no, not right then, but they were still babies. They were born in March, and this was like July. And so, and I was still nursing them. So, like, my body was saying, it was time to go home. And here I was in the back of this church, filling out, like, I guess, a communication card of some kind. And I was like, hey, I grew up Catholic. Is this okay? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's okay. You know, it's okay that you're back here. We actually get quite a few Catholic people back here that have heard that message and um, respond to it. I was like, oh, okay. So they did spontaneous baptisms, but I did not participate at the time because I needed to get home and I was glad that I did because you needed me and I the did. babies needed me. So that's I my did. short version.
2: Yeah, and, and I'll add to it, like, so with her getting saved, he, here's the thing. It was five years later that I got saved. You know, when I reflect back on those things, and, and I'm sure throughout this whole process, you'll I'll share more of mine, but If there are any women out there listening to this podcast and their husbands are not believers, be patient. It's not your job to save them because my wife prayed for me for five years for the Lord to get a hold of me. And I know that she worked in the background to try and help arrange the events. And she did, and she did well. But if it wasn't for her patience with me you know the the outcomes could be different so i i just I, I i find that women tend to find their relationship with the lord quicker than men sometimes because i feel like women understand relationships better than guys do but sometimes i find that women desire their husbands to have that so much that they try to push it on them and you you never did that
1: no i do you remember me telling you i was like you may not know Christ, but you are the godliest man that I yeah. that I know. Like he had all the principles in place, but he just did not trust Christ as his Lord and Savior, and that was the only thing keeping him is that decision.
2: But I will I will add this. Fast forward 5 years. You come to know the Lord and honestly, I mean, men, if your wife is a believer, a true believer and she has a true relationship with Christ and she is surrounding herself with women who understand the scriptures. If you allow yourself to submit yourself to the Lord, it will change you in a way that no matter how amazing your wife may think you are right now as a husband, it will change because I remember you, Stace, telling me stories about talking to your mentor and saying, there's just something about my husband right now that's even more attractive. And oh, she yeah, said, that's the Holy Spirit. He he's 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 got the Holy Spirit in him right now. And it's real. I mean, it is the real stuff. And you've got to understand that. You've got to embrace that. You've got to live that. You know, when you fast forward to we're getting ready to celebrate 30 years and it's it's that part of our marriage that not only has allowed us to get through a move from Florida with all of our kids to Arkansas when we had no family a move from Arkansas to Virginia with all of our kids and others and we had no family you know I think that it's also just allowed you and I to connect in ways that so many couples miss out on. I agree. It's, it's not, if I go back in time to when I was 16, 18, 20, 21 years old or whatever, and I would see church people and I would see the, the quote-unquote Christian marriages and couples, There was zero things about those marriages that attracted me to say, this is what I want in my life. Mm -hmm. But their marriages look nothing like ours. And and I'm not trying to elevate our marriage. I'm looking at it from my, my perspective that, you know, what do we hear this past weekend on some of those messages? Like when you do the work to pursue your wife and when then you get her, And then you stop working and you can't figure out why your marriage is not exciting and passionate and all that stuff. It's because you're not doing the work. Mm -hmm. I've said a a million times probably that I loved you from the moment I saw you. And then when God got a hold of us and me, I became passionate for you. And I I still feel that way today. It's it's been almost 30 years. It'll be 30 years in a few months. And i just i'm telling you man it is awesome and and i love doing life with you you know we hear about people who they become empty nesters and they don't have anything in common and they don't know what to do and marriages fall apart and people start moving apart from each other and 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 i just think that's it's junk at that point right i mean you don't just let that go. You, you've you got to invest in it. If your wife likes to shop, go shop. I hear that so often when we're out. People are like, oh, yeah, my husband never used to like the mall. Well, you know what? Suck it up, buttercup. You need to go to the mall. If that's what your wife <laughs> wants to do, go do it. I mean, seriously, like, invest in that. Too often the church is not talking about marriage. And then we've had, a, you know, the blessing in the last weekend mm-hmm. of listening to multiple messages from pastors about marriage. And about honor and you know, it's it's important. It is very important for people to understand that marriage was it was designed by God, He created it, He He loves it, it is good. The the rough part about marriage is that there are two people involved in it that
1: are sinners. Are
2: sinners. I, I don't know which one of the messages we heard this weekend, but the one person said we go into marriage sometimes with an expectation. When you create expectations of the other person, what you're doing is you're creating an environment of what it is that you want that other person to do that pleases you. When you do that, you've already entered the marriage completely wrong. It, it should be about what, what should I be doing to honor my spouse? What should I be doing to improve the relationship with my spouse. Marriages fall apart because everyone talks about me. Everyone focuses on me and how I feel in something. And and that's our society today. It's all about me. It's about, it's the selfie. It's it's how many likes do I get? It's it's all the stuff that's so self-centered that if we would just stop for a minute and actually think about the fact that we're committing our lives to another person. And how do I pour into the relationship with that person? How do I love that person? And, and what was it Pastor Stan said? He talked about the fact that instead of focusing so much on what that person's not doing for you, how about you go do that for that person? Pastor Shannon talked about that. We, we spend so much time trying to design what we want our husbands to be like or our wives to be like. But when we do that, we're missing the opportunity to be the person that we want to be with.
3: Today's unpaid advertisement is for 5.11 Tactical. 5.11 Tactical is a pioneering purpose-driven brand, making purpose-built gear for those who demand more of themselves for the greater good. They offer tattoo clothes, gear, and patches for soldiers, climbers, and anyone who enjoys outdoor activities. You can find me there every payday, adding to my collection of patches and gear.
0: In this segment, we're going to talk about the 11 lessons we've learned through dating relationship, either ours or others around us.
4: So the first one is, it's best not to date until you're ready for marriage um this is obviously like explains itself but um i think it's really important to not put yourself in a position that like if you're 15 or you're 14 like you can't get married to that person for how many years so don't tempt yourself to like go any further with them or whatever until you're ready for a relationship if that makes sense
0: the second one is compile a list of non-negotiables you want in your future spouse and stick to them this definitely worked for me and that's how i ended up with an awesome man like jake
3: Number three, it's important that people that know and love you the most approve of the relationship. People that you trust the most, that influence you the most, uh, that you spend the most time with, they should definitely be approving of the person that you're growing a relationship with.
4: Yeah, and I just want to add to that because I think that was that's very important. Because if there's anyone close to you, like someone that you truly trust coming up to you going, I'm not sure about this. Like they they're kind of like standoffish about the whole relationship. Like you need to hear them out. You need to listen.
3: And also, if you're if you're staying away from the physicality of a relationship you're more likely to actually listen to the people that are trying to tell you that.
4: So number four is actions speak louder than words. I mean, they can say they love you. They can say that they care for you. They can say all these things. But if they're not truly showing it to you through their actions, then that's a big red flag.
3: Number five, just because your date says they are a Christian does not guarantee anything good
0: number six is it's best to be bold with who you are and what you want from the very beginning don't hold back about what you want in a relationship what you want in life and who you are as a person that's really very important stuff
4: number seven if there are serious red flags run get away don't try to fix or change the person
0: number eight prioritize getting to know the other person in different situations over just having fun You are evaluating them for marriage.
3: Number nine, refraining from sexual activity or intimacy is the best way to stay clear-headed in evaluating a person for marriage, which is kind of what I just talked about earlier.
4: This is like a really important one. I think this is something that we've talked a lot about as a family. We grew up listening to them like tell us about this Um, because relationships get very complicated once intimacy is involved. As soon as that is involved... Girls go crazy, guys go crazy. If they are broken up, like, things would go insane. Like, just refrain from that and things will be more simple.
0: And also when that leads to marriage, it's so much more worth it. In marriage, you're protecting your future spouse. Keep that in mind, too. Number 10 is be cautious and aware of dates who are dealing with issues from the past that have not been healed. That means broken homes, trauma, mom and dad issues, etc. These issues are not repaired through marriage. They're amplified.
4: 11 is it's okay to judge a date by who they choose to spend their time with. Bad company corrupts good character. This is also a very, very important one, I think. Especially, like, when... I think when you're young or younger, not, like, you know, an, a full adult yet, like me. <laughs> um, being 19, people have, like, you know... When you're around guys, they're very immature still. Like, 19-year-old boys are very immature. And so are probably 20-year-old m- men, too. If they're around childish men, like, childish boys, and they're not surrounding themselves with men who are going to like help lead like lead them and grow them and influence them in a great way then that's a big thing you need to watch out
3: for which the touch on that like i remember pastor shannon talking about if you are interested in somebody or you're already dating somebody and they're not a christian like your job is not to save them and it's okay if they end up getting saved that's not your job so they need to like go get their own help and have their own relationship with Jesus before they can even try to have a relationship with you.
4: Thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you liked what you heard, leave a review. We'll see you next time on the Saturday morning crew.